We believe you have a story to share. For 2,000 years, humankind has believed in the power of story. In healthcare, we're finding ways to better heal those who are in front of us. Join us as we explore healing stories now. Welcome again to another episode of Healing Stories, and I want to welcome you, Dr. Young, to our time together. And I'm not going to count it against you at all that you are a Cubs fan, and I'm an Indians fan, um, but the World Series did show me some humility, so I, I appreciate uh, doing better in conversations rather than baseball. Yeah. And as you come today, one of the great gifts we have is hearing about your healing story. And could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, uh, well, it's... Um born and raised in central Illinois, um, had a nice, strong family upbringing, um, was centered around the Catholic church, which, um, you know, was a, a nice way to be brought up and, and grandparents thought that was a very important thing. And my parents did then, um, thereafter. And, um, I don't know, I just always, um, was, was a part of the church growing up and it was a big part of my life. Um, you know, and then, uh, grew into, uh, I guess the, the healing desire as I got older, um, I was growing up with a club foot and, uh-huh. and things like that, just really wanted to give back um, to do the same sort of thing for other people that was done for me. And, uh, you know, I had an excellent physician who was a, um, an attending of residence and, um, you know, working on me when I was growing up. And so it was, it was just, it's kind of neat, you know, uh-huh. to then continue that forward. Uh, it was always the design and always the... So you really, at a very early age, had someone kind of inspire you mm-hmm. and, and get engaged in it and having that as a part of who you are, your 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 body was yep. a piece of you wanting to be involved in the change of it. Yeah, and it didn't hurt that two of my uncles were doctors and my, <laughs> my grandfather was always, you know, what type of doctor are you going to be and not, not, you know, never really thought of any other career choice. Yeah. Um, that didn't hurt. Um but at the same time, it was, um, you know, there were there were definite things in my life already in place. I don't even know if that was needed to kind of get me there, too. But You have recently come down to this part of the world, and uh, since that time, I've had many things happen to you, uh, many, <laughs> yeah. many changes. Uh-huh. And I wonder if you could just share with those who are listening really the healing story that came to you through uh, the last few months and, and what you did to open up your your life and and also uh, your heart to something that was pretty powerful as a physician here yeah. uh, to the reality. Um, yeah, um, we moved here four years ago, um, really on sort of a, a whim. Um, when my wife wanted to move south of Illinois, I didn't want to live in Illinois anymore. The taxes were getting outrageous. So my dad said the same thing. He said anywhere, anywhere out of Illinois is fine. And my mom was willing to move. They were both going to retire this January. So we just kind of set this plan in place to get out. And uh, Fort Smith provided a lot of great opportunities, um, you know, um, career-wise, but also spiritually and um, great chance to raise a family here, um, family-centered atmosphere, all of which seemed to be, you know, easily easy to obtain here. Um, plus, it was similar to my hometown, so um, that was what we just kind of decided to to make the jump and make the switch. And it's been kind of a it's been a roller coaster to say the yeah. least. We've had two kids and right. here uh, to add to our one we had in Chicago, so three total, and now added a second dog that we rescued and. She's been, you know, difficult to say the least. And then we had the job change and 
uh, mom getting sick and um, you know so a lot of a lot of big struggles big hurdles highs and lows it's been a wild four years um, so and those changes I think for you and some of the things that I know all of us deal with can be met with a sense of uh, openness or they can be met with a sense of uh, I'm, not, I'm, I'm filled up, right? Yeah, yeah. We're all stocked up here. Yeah. We'll sell change somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, what seems powerful about what you have to share is just when you did open up to asking your mom to come down when she got sick, the openness that you provided really became a moment of healing too in, in all the various areas. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. I said to my wife one night, getting ready for bed um we had been here about two and a half years i think and i I said to her um you know i feel like god brought us here and i don't know why and i was searching for the why um and i really i I, and she was she kind of laughed it off and i said no really i i feel this strong conviction that there was a reason that we were brought down here and i said i don't know if it's because we needed better foot and ankle care (laughs) or 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 what the why was well i I discovered the why, why for me was because I think if I had moved anywhere else, I don't know that I would have become uh, such a faith-filled person. I don't know that my faith would have been this strong. And um, to, for my own personal uh, opinion, I think that God was setting in place a plan to make sure that when mom passed away that I kept my faith and didn't run away from the church and run away from God. And I think he knew that it was going to take me a while, so let's get him down there several years ahead of time. Um, and, uh, you know, and I, think, I, and I think a lot of my family has, you know, and, uh, followed my lead, as my dad always likes to say, everybody's going to follow you, so wherever, wherever you go. And so even if, if I, you know, continue, continue to be strong in my faith and kind of go that direction with my life, cling to the hope that one day I get to see my mom again, if I stay uh, in Christ's word, you know, it's, uh, you know, I think that and I can bring my whole family with me. You know, that's a pretty powerful thing to, to be thinking every day. You know, how, how do you want to live your life? Well, I want to live so that I have eternity with my family, you know. Um, and so if that design is to do good here, you know, then that's what we're going to do. I was really struck by the pictures that you showed me, uh, both the paintings as well as even your mom mm-hmm. in her uh, bed uh, in your mm-hmm. house and mm-hmm. you inviting all of them down to live with you yeah. and that, that embrace uh, when your mom had passed of someone welcoming someone home Yeah, and that idea that even within the last few months uh, your mom being welcomed home by God, uh-huh. uh, isn't that what we all are seeking? Is oh, yeah. that that embrace of yeah. coming home? And I'm lucky that you know my wife is so amazing <clears throat> to be the gracious person that will allow you know my dying mother to live with us for her last few months. You know, I, I mean, I, I think a lot of spouses would say they're uh-huh. up, up to that challenge, but boy, Natalie, just uh, some of the things that she's done, um, both for my mom, for me, for my dad, just uh, all of us. Just, you know, I kind of, I, I, she would probably tell you she's the lucky one, but I know it's the other way around. Yeah. So it's really a recognition of what 
our partners do for us as well mm -hmm. in these healing stories. That sure. It's not, oh, a, yeah. it's not a single story. And today, as you have shared with us, uh, our gratitude is that you have been open to not just share it, but you also look at it from many different perspectives mm -hmm. and, and healing stories that we might all kind of think about uh, who are the people who are coming into our lives that we sure. need to be open to and that sure. medicine can provide this type of healing, even to someone like yourself, a practicing physician who's doing surgery all the time. Yeah, and I think that's a big part of who my mom was. She was such a, a person of empathy and, and uh um, she always was striving to understand it from the other person's perspective. And I think, you know, if I'm ever going to try to take anything from her life, it's going to try to be more like that. And I think uh, if we all did that a little bit more of that, I think the whole world would be a better place for it. And, uh, you know, if, um, if, if seeing the miracles that came from her struggle, you know, if, if it just takes a few people to understand all the things that that her struggle uh all, all the wonderful things that came of it and how many lives it touched um you know that's that's a pretty powerful thing when you start thinking about how far reaching you know the ripple effect that we all have on each other uh, it's really true you're talking about miracles and it's real mm -hmm. and a lot of us might look at healthcare and saying impossible you mm -hmm. know what i mean it's just going to be another bill uh it's just going to be another uh waiting room mm -hmm. yet what you're giving to us today is the sense that there can be miracles here. Sure. I think, uh, you know, and in, in the grander story of my mom's miracle, when she first came out of her coma, right after the ICU neurologist told us that she would not wake up, <laughs> wow. I think two days later when he stood over her bed as she was wiggling her toes and, and uh, nodding her head and opening her eyes, I think remembering his face is something that will never <laughs> escape me. I think uh, he was in such a, a state of astonishment, you know, and I, I never got the chance to talk to him about his uh, his faith or if he was a faith-filled person or, or anything, but he, um, yeah, he was definitely astonished by and, and taken aback by the fact that my mom woke up and, uh, you know, he, he basically told us the night before that she was not going to wake up. Huh. So um, that was... You know, not, and that's maybe mom's miracle that she got to come home and spend her last few months with us and see the grandkids and see her newest grandson alive, you know, because he wasn't right. born yet. Wasn't so, born. Um, <clears throat> so that was pretty cool. And uh, so it's pretty neat that all of that transpired and, and not just her miracle, but the miracles that we as a family are feeling and experiencing even now on a daily basis, you know, and I have conversations with my dad and brother and they're going to our church and they're they're in a men's group and i'm in a you know and and we're just kind of everybody's kind of taking that next step forward it's interesting how you talk about waking up because i know that there are some philosophers or people who say once you wake someone up it's very hard to go back to sleep and isn't there some movement that we're looking at now in medicine or healthcare of just trying to say how do we wake people up to how they take care of themselves, how sure. they don't rely on someone else to uh, give them a pill or, or do something to just make them feel better. But sure. what you do is you help people wake up yeah. as as a, a leader in medicine right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's one of the hardest things to do, really. Um, 
a lot of time, you know, you, you kind of go back to that old adage of the uh, personal quit smoking whenever they're ready to quit smoking. It's the same sort of thing. It, it applies to so many different aspects. You know, in my field, it's diabetes. Um, you know, so so many of our diabetic patients, if they would just take a walk around the block once a day, you know, they would get their sugar 50 points lower on a daily basis. That might be enough to stave off kidney disease or vascular disease or a foot ulcer or neuropathy. I mean, any of those things that that pop up. So if you know, if if it's something as simple as you remind somebody, hey, you know, did you get your diabetic shoes? Are you doing your walk? Are you walking the pool? Are you, you know, whatever you want to do, or you know, um, I think those little encouragements are are big. And every once in a blue moon, you'll get a patient who I had one guy the other day, I told him smoking was causing his ulcer on his foot to not heal, and he handed me his pack and said, throw him away. Wow. So, I mean, you get that moment, you know, once every other month or so, but those are, those are that's another person possibly, you know, saved or their limbs saved because you, you know, were able to convince them to make that life-altering change, a little paradigm shift in their head that, you know, gets them going in the right direction, waking up. It's helpful then to remind yourself as a physician of those stories. Right. Because there are so many other ones that possibly you don't get to wake up. Right. And it is hard, I imagine, I've Mm -hmm. not been there, of (laughs) the cases that you have to see where people are just struggling to make a change. Sure. And, And allowing for this openness, if you have shared with us today that healing takes openness, Mm -hmm. both from the standpoint of the patient as well as the provider. Yeah. Um, But how we come together to create that community openness is very challenging. Mm -hmm. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I think that's, you know, remembering that physicians are human, but at at their core, most physicians just want to make everyone around them better. And so I think a lot of patients forget that, you know, I think they, um, and so that, uh, that becomes sort of a struggle because you, you want to make sure that your, your patients see you, uh, for the desire you have for them, um, to be a better person themselves, be healthier, be happier so that they can enjoy their lives. And it's, you know, that's a big, you know, I think communal relationship goes both ways you know the when the patients are are happy with what you're providing for them and and you can say that you helped that person become healthier or obtain what they wanted out of life you know there's there's nothing better than that and you know um, some of my patients become very close to me you know um, I remember some of them I I think of so closely I almost wanted to pick up the phone and call them when my mom passed away you know so you just uh you know, you get you get to those those kinds of relationships with some of your your patients, and you really enjoy them. and And I think they touch your life more than they realize. You know, I think a lot of times people think they walk out of a doctor's office and think that, well, that was another fun experience, you know, or something like that. And the doctor might actually be sitting back there going, you know, you know, thinking about that patient weeks later. So it's you you can't put a um, price tag on that. Mm -hmm. on the stories that you have in your head and your heart as a physician that some will never know Mm -hmm. how they impacted you. Mm -hmm. And I imagine a lot of us who go through life fail to realize the impact we're making Mm -hmm. and how we help physicians, nurses, advanced practitioners to say you are making an impact Mm -hmm. rather than you're only seeing all the rest of the people that didn't hand you the box of smokes. That, that (laughs) I think, is really where we're struggling because we're seeing a tremendous amount of uh, 
how do I find meaning in this work? And are there things that you do that uh, offer you meaning that might be helpful to us to learn today? Oh, gosh. I, I think remembering the human aspect of, of the people we deal with on a daily basis is a huge part of it because it's so easy to see a name on paper and and see a condition on paper and forget that there's a there's a person behind that diagnosis there's a person you know attached to this foot in my case you know and you know uh, if you dig deep enough um a lot of times you can it doesn't have to be that far you know one more question can open a whole world of of uh that person's atmosphere to you you know they they'll open themselves up if given the opportunity and I I think not taking advantage of that and not going the extra mile to try to make sure that we remember the person behind the condition you know um, can be damaging not only to uh, the that patient's health care but also damaging to the physician you know patient physician relationship as well as health care in general Um, when you start talking about patients as a um, a number, a, uh, a unit of work, you know, things like that, it, it becomes damaging to the entire system, in my opinion. Everyone has a name, everyone yep. has a story, yep. and as one physician said to me, everybody has a mother. Yep. <laughs> yep. So how we look at people with moms and, and with names mm-hmm. could be very helpful. Tell me about your day. I am always amazed how quick you get up and, and you get going. So what's a <laughs> well, day look like for you? I'm a morning person. So, you know, waking up at 4.35 in the morning is not a big deal for uh-huh. me. I, I try to make sure, uh, as one person said, I forget where I, where I heard this. One person said he wants to make sure he's exemplifying excellence to his children every day. So I want to make sure that when my son wakes up at quarter to six in the morning, uh-huh. I'm already sitting there finishing my Bible verse, uh-huh. you know, or, or my daily devotional. And, and I'm sitting there in a quiet space, you know, praying, reading, that sort of thing, so that I emulate, you know, what type of person, you know, I want him to be. And so when my son comes down and sees that, that's always one of my favorite parts of the day. And so that's where I usually start. And um, then depending on if I have to round or not, you know, I'll leave the house 5.30, 6 in the morning um, most days, go to the hospital, see one or two, three patients, something like that, then head over to the clinic. And then it's just patient after patient until lunch and then patient after patient again until it's time to go home a lot of paperwork um but you know if if i'm lucky enough and i get through my patients um in a decent hour will i get a chance to go you know do swim lessons with yeah. the kids or t-ball or you know tonight we have soccer so it's <laughs> there's always there's always something to look forward to after work and you can you know um try to leave work at work and and have your family family time you know um as much as possible but and try not to make the two blend as much as possible it's it's, it's a challenge it's not easy i mean i think anyone who's listening recognizes how do you not have so many uh, one person said to me that you have so many monkeys on your back right Mm -hmm. that you can't go upright and and how do you make that transition into the family Mm -hmm. so that this family continues to grow and, and you're able to give meaning to the family as much as you're able to give meaning to the patients. Right. Yeah, I think I think being, um, you know, a big part of your faith as a faithful person, men especially, men need to be uh, leaders of their family, um, you know, and, and a partner to their wives and a support system and, you know, all these things that you can't be when you're 
laden down with with the burdens of work and um, stresses of work and things like that. And that's another area that my wife has been, you know, she grounds me. You know, she makes sure that I'm not overdoing, you know, in this aspect or that aspect. She she always makes sure that, you know, well, we've got this on Saturday, you know, and, and if I have... I don't dare to tell her I can't make it, you know. So I try to make sure that I. <laughs> that was it. That was make a warning the, shot. There, yeah, exactly. Right? Uh-huh. So it's a, uh, it's it's good. You know, you have to have, you have to have all aspects of your life tied in together. But you also have to have uh, a sense of focus when you're there, or else you're not in the moment. Right. And you're not you're not present for your kids if you're thinking about work, and you're not, you know, present for your wife when you're, when you're thinking about your work and and things like that. So you have to. You have to compartmentalize it a little bit, or else you'd you'd never be able to to do it. But I mean, everything has to remain God centered, you know. And sort of the funny thing is, uh, one of our our pastor one day created a list and said, "What order would you put these things in?" And it was job, family, kids, work, uh, or finances. Um, you know, it's probably thirteen or fourteen things, and everybody wrote down what what order they put it in. And, and God was on there, and God was always, most people put him up near the top, you know, one, two, three, four, somewhere in there. And he said, everybody did this wrong. <laughs> and we all kind of looked at him funny, and he said, God goes across the top. Everything else comes off of him. <laughs> and, and so that when you think about it, it from that perspective, if everything is God-centered, um, there's really nowhere to, to misstep, mm-hmm. you know, if everything is in line with, with what we're supposed to be doing in his eyes first. It is as if one thinks that how you pull from something, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, do you pull from uh, things that aren't lasting, or do you pull from something where you know the source is very deep, filled with mm-hmm. nurturing elements and truth? Mm-hmm. And it might be a place for us to have questions about well, what am I pulling from mm-hmm. in my life? Mm-hmm. Are there things that you might say, I'm looking at the physician community and we have to take account of what is needing to stay and what needs to go? Right. And and what do I pull from in order to gain a life worth living? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a... <laughs> you want to pull from your your history and yet and yet if you're if, in my case you know trying to be you know only four years now into yeah. my into my really deep dive into my spiritual life um you know it's hard for me to draw an experience because i don't have a lot of god-filled experiences you know um other than um since sort of the birth of my son and and his stay in the hospital and things like that we that's really when my wife and i became a little more uh, faith-centered, and so, you know, four years is not a long time in in my 35 now, almost 36 years, um, to draw from experience. And so, yeah, you, when you when, where do you pull from? Yeah. Pull from your your faith and your um, your community of of fellow um, men, in my case, or you know, uh, uh, your your pastor, your the Bible, scripture. Um, those are those are where I try now to to go to it's 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 a little bit of a paradigm shift in my own life and in my own experiences but it's it's becoming more regular with every you know with every passage of of time <laughs> well I know that uh based upon how you shared your uh, schedule that we're almost done with your day so we better <laughs> make sure that you get back but I want to thank you for taking the time with us and, yeah. and recognize that your lessons your healing story is one that we can relate to 
and one that I hope that others will uh, be a part of as they create their own and find some meaning in that. Yeah, yeah, it's really not a, I, I guess to just to leave on this one note, it's really not a, um, a unique story in my opinion. You know, it's sort of everybody goes through heartbreak, uh, death, you know, um, and and so I think as long as we all just keep, you know, if if you've ever been curious about your faith or or have ever wanted to take that next step, I th- I think remembering those heartbreaking moments and trying to look back and find the good that came of it or the or the good that was around it, uh, rather than focusing on the on the bad, I think you'll be surprised at how um, how many good things came of have those situations so well here's to us being surprised thanks dr young (laughs) for being with us today no problem join us next time for our healing stories